0: Hey, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things that you like. I am Jason Edwards.
1: I'm Kelsey Goldman.
0: And boy, we better just get right into it this this week, Kelsey. We got, we got, three, got, movies we got three movies to cover. We get through once again, and the last time we did that, it took us an hour and a half.
1: No, the last time we did that, I guess that was four movies, technically.
0: Yes, yes. yes. It took us uh, two hours. Two episodes. Yes, two full <laughs> episodes. We're going to try to be a little bit more concise this time. I'm ready. Do it. Okay. We are talking about the Cloverfield franchise? I guess. You don't really want to call it a series. Universe. Universe. Cinematic it's, Universe. It's not, it's the, the CCU.
1: <laughs> the CCU.
0: Even that doesn't quite work. So for the uninitiated, Cloverfield began life as a mysterious movie produced by J.J. Abrams. It was released in January two thousand eight, um, but the first thing the world knew of it came with a trailer that was released in July two thousand seven, in front of the first Transformers movie, I believe. And it was a strange found footage trailer that ends with some sort of mysterious like attack on New York City, and like the, the but no the, the, there was no like title attached to it. No one knew what it was. No one had ever heard of it. All we saw was the date one eighteen oh eight, and that and that raised you know oh well, what's going on here? J.J. Abrams oh you know, he's so mysterious. He you know he he cre- created Lost. He's part of the whole you know mysterious new thing he's got going on. What's it gonna be? Leading to months of speculation, uh, which was definitely stoked by the film's viral marketing campaign, which was pretty new for its time. This was 2007. So that wasn't a thing that was really... You know, we'd had those before with like... But I think the biggest one I think I can think of before that in my lifetime was probably Halo 2. There was a big thing around Halo 2 when it came out. You don't know. You don't care.
1: I don't have video game-based knowledge like you do. It was
0: this weird thing about bees, but I don't really understand how it ever tied back into Halo 2. <laughs> The marketing for Cloverfield was so, like, weird and, and, like, obtuse and esoteric that there were a bunch of other, like, ARG alternate reality game things that were released at that time, too, that people assumed were about Clover- Cloverfield. Like, the thing Ethan Haas was right was, like, I, everyone was all about this Ethan Haas thing for, like, a month. Exactly. Turns out it was a, it was an ARG for a totally different, like, tabletop role-playing game. Weird. And I don't know if that was even ever released, to be honest. But it did do a good job of creating a sense of mystery and confusion and like wonder about the film. Uh, my favorite bit of speculation that went around it was that in the first trailer, there's a person who says off-screen something to the effect of, "You know, it's alive. It's huge." <laughs> but he's like, he's like, he's the the sound is garbled and he's like, you know, overwhelmed by other sounds around him, so you can't quite make out what he's saying. Sort of. I mean, you can basically guess that's what it is, but you know. You don't. You can't really tell. So a lot of people believed he was saying, "It's a lion. It's huge," <laughs> and that led them to speculate that this was in fact a J.J. Abrams-produced secret Voltron movie with, with the strangest release promotional material of all time. Now,
1: Voltron is a comic.
0: Voltron is a. I know it as a cartoon show. I don't yeah, know like know. I,
1: that's what I thought. I too. don't know
0: much about it beyond that. Okay. But I, the, the main. You know the main plot of Voltron. no. It's a bunch of lion-shaped robots that all fuse together into one giant man-lion robot. Yeah. And I guess this is partially inspired by the fact that this trailer did play before the first Transformers, Transformers yeah. movie. So people thought, anything can happen now. <laughs> this Transformers movie came out. It was okay.
1: <laughs>
0: we can, start, we have Voltron we can start dreaming big now. Voltron, baby. He's he's back. Uh, also, I remember there was a theory running around that it was actually the monster in Cloverfield was actually a shark with legs. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but that's always really stuck with me.
1: I mean, that's an image.
0: And that, that's an image.
1: It's an image. In a way,
0: it may have been better than the the actual monster we got. Uh. But anyway, the film was finally released under the title Cloverfield in, on one eighteen oh eight, mm-hmm. And it was indeed a found footage movie about a bunch of 20-somethings. I guess. It's strange because they all have like, you know, like old mature looking actor faces. Yeah. Like not mature as in like old as in like, you know, they're very sharp. But they angled. don't look
1: like they can be playing teenagers.
0: Right. But their age is kind of ambiguous in the yeah. movie. Like... It's kind of hard. They, they all kind of act like they're in their early 20s. Yeah. But, but I
1: think they're like closer to 30. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: anyway, like there's a party is being held for the main character, Rob. Rob. Uh, By his friends, including Lily. His
1: brother, Jason. And his
0: brother, Jason. Also in attendance is, is a Hudson Platt, a.k.a. Hud, and Marlena Diamond. During their party, we find out that not only is uh, Rob sort of on the outs with their friend, Beth, who you know, he slept with about a month ago.
1: Cause we know that cause it's on the sound footage. Yes.
0: But the first thing we see is Rob and Beth, uh, you know, after their intimate canoodling. night together, they're canoodling and they're spending the day together.
1: It's gross. And we sort of see <laughs> clips
0: of their trip to Coney Island from that one day all throughout the film.
1: Like sprinkled in. Yeah.
0: And we, we find out basically that because Rob is, mo- is moving to Japan to start a new job, he is not really pursuing things with Beth. So they're sort of on, having a fight right now and they clearly have feelings for each other. But it, it's, it's hard to really care about that too much. Partially because during the party, something crazy starts happening. There's explosions in the distance. The Statue of Liberty's head gets just chopped off and thrown across the city. And it becomes clear that the city is under attack by something. Something. Uh, eventually revealed to be a big old like grayish monster green thing. monster lizard slug guy. <laughs> um, and, and the plot of the film is basically them first trying to escape Manhattan and then... Uh, after Jason is killed, R.I.P. 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 Jason. See so you at the crossroads, buddy. Uh, Rob leads the rest of the team back into Manhattan to try to find Beth and save her yeah. because he loves her and he regrets that they were fighting when they when she left. It is the the thinnest, the most gossamer thin thread of plot to yeah. hang this massive spectacle around. It's unusual that it's a found footage film of a like a monster invasion disaster movie type thing, which is an unusual perspective for that kind of film, which I'd never seen before. And I responded to it very positively. I enjoyed the entire like build up and like mystery around it. Then when I saw it, I was very satisfied with the 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 ride I took with these these folks, mm-hmm. these characters. Um, but Kelsey, you have just now seen it just recently. Yes, uh, less than twelve hours. Last ago. night, let us <laughs> <like to> say, <laughs> for the first time. And I'm curious, uh, without you know, divorcing this entire you know hysteria, this national hysteria, mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about it?
1: I liked it. I like it's not a movie that I would seek out on my own, but I thought it was really re- well done. It was also my first found footage movie. Amazing. Which like, cause I I I never like sought that out because it just I can't imagine how it would work to me. But now I've been sort of given a perspective on how it would work, and I think the way that it works is the reason why the other Cloverfield movies work. Um, but I'll get to that later, hmm. and um. My only my only grumble with it is that you have to follow the two least compelling characters the whole like they're the ones that you're with at the end and they're not the ones that I want to be with at the end cuz they are I don't care about them. I <laughs> <laughs> just don't care about them.
0: Yeah, I will say even with the problems with the uh, the main characters the ones you're asked to most empathize with yeah. this is still probably one of the more effective uses of found footage I've seen mm-hmm. cuz I've seen a lot uh, largely because a lot of found footage is uh, is contained within the horror genre, mm-hmm. and in fact, in around this time period and a little bit after this, mostly kicked off by Blair Witch, but you know there was a fad going on around this time yeah. of found footage as a like just a cheap alternative to make a horror movie, yeah. where nothing about it served the plot or the themes or setting. It was just meant to sort of cut down on costs for like yeah. we don't have to stop and frame this shot or light it because it's it's real. It's real.
1: Well, yeah, I think, and I think that's why the found footage in Cloverfield works because it it serves what the director is trying to do, which is keep a large portion of what's happening from the audience. And I think that's like that's why these movies work is because a large portion of like they're not they're telling macro big stories on a very micro level one one moment of a much larger story. Um, and I think that's why they work as movies. Because um, the viewer is asked to fill in everything else, and you can fill it in with what you want for the most part. <laughs> no.
0: I think that is when the first movie, especially, is being most effective, is when you are aware that there are other beats happening in this larger monster invasion story that you, along with the characters, you just don't see. Yeah. Like, that's to me, even, it captures some of that feeling I had going into the theater, and mm-hmm. even still now, watching it 10 years later, the early parts of the movie are really, like, kind of chilling in a way because this thing is happening and they sort of start to notice that it's happening but like even then like the monster's already like in the city like doing doing stuff before anyone we're watching knows that there's might even be something happening And that's very realistic like that's we, what that know, like, it feels like.
1: like it feels like what how you would experience yeah. it whereas like if your found footage horror movie is just like in an old house somewhere like and it's just scary because it's dark. <laughs> you know, that doesn't really work. It works because it's hiding such a large portion of the greater world, but not so much that you can't infer.
0: And it keeps you grounded. And, and, and especially it's unusual in the uh, the monster movie attack yeah. disaster you zo- usually type get genre. Like
1: the big over sweeping shot of the monster yeah. attacking.
0: Yeah. And you do, they do sort of like find a way to get that, effect in here at some points mm-hmm. but because you've stayed anchored to this very like literally ground level perspective the entire time it is like effective it creates a, a sense of scale to the point that where that like when i first saw this movie and for many years after the the part towards the end where the monster sort of like towers over the camera mm-hmm. and looks down on uh, on hud the our point of view character throughout the movie it really like it's like scared the, the, the shit out of me i bet and like to, like for a long time i couldn't even see that image from the movie <laughs> without getting like like little like little like little panic sweats yeah. and that's not an effect that you, movies usually have on me but i find very big things scary mm-hmm. so the fact that this, this was able to capture that even a little bit is i think very impressive
1: yeah i like this movie I like this movie a lot more than I thought it was. I thought I would, because I honestly thought it was going to drag on too long, which I feel like is a a real thing that could happen a lot in found footage movies. But it ends like when you want it to end, (laughs) (laughs) which is more than I can say for the last one.
0: Oh boy, we'll we'll get to that one. (laughs) One thing that really struck me watching it again, because I watched it, so it it came out, I saw that that night at midnight. The next day, Sarah came to visit me at school, and and we went and saw it that night, (laughs) so I saw it twice in like 48 hours. Nice. Uh, Then I rewatched it again a few months later, but I haven't rewatched it since then, so it's been like nearly
1: Nearly 10 10 years years
0: since I've seen it, and watching it again now, it doesn't have the same effect on me. It, It did then. Obviously, it left a major impression on me at the time, but now what really strikes me about it, and this is not necessarily a positive or a negative it's how small the whole thing feels. Yeah, like it feels strange to me that I went and saw this movie in a theater. I think it makes a, a lot more
1: sense to see it on a small scale.
0: Yeah, found footage movies are always kind of weird on a on a big screen, big, sc- big screen. But also seeing it again on the small screen does sort of like. Like I think mean, this is, this is sort of a, an allowance you have to make in a lot of found footage movies, especially if they're going to be released, you know, as a major release. Yeah. But the quality of the camera being used by the characters is way too high. Oh
1: yeah, no, I I completely agree. You're like, this is too nice.
0: And I'm not one of those sticklers where I'm like, you know, oh, why are they holding the camera right now? It Doesn't make sense because I can sort of like let I can allow for that, let that in, go, in, yeah. in ways. But for some reason I think there's a point early on in the movie where the quality of camera of camera jumps. Yeah. From like the intro where it's sort of like it looks like a real camera yeah. to where it looks like it's just a handheld, like full production movie camera.
1: Yeah.
0: And that feels weird. But and I mean
1: it could be a handheld camera, but from like two years ago. Yes. In like twenty sixteen. True. Not two thousand eight. You know? <laughs> like they, they the quality of personal recording devices has greatly increased in the in that like just look at the quality of like youtube videos
0: yeah like yeah and also there's by on that same point there's a scene where people use uh people like with the like, statue of liberty's head gets knocked off and everyone yeah. crowds around takes pictures yeah first of all they seem to mostly be taking pictures on their cell phones which yeah. in 2008 read like sort of like a ha ha look at this like sort of lazy bit of satire well, but now now just feels like reality
1: this came out the first iPhone was, I think...
0: So you're reaching this, you're gesturing to the the iPhone in your hand, yes. to to be clear.
1: Yes. This first iPhone came out, I think, I think, 2007. So yeah, now that looks different, I guess.
0: What blows me away is like, first of all, like there's people in that scene who are using just digital cameras that are not part of their phones. Yeah. And it's like, I can't believe there was a time when people's cameras didn't come attached to phones. <laughs> That's, at this point, I own several digital cameras. So yeah. it's mind-boggling to me, even then. And the fact that the scene that this stuck out to me is so much is like, a, uh-huh, I get it, yeah. People sure are in, in love with their phones <laughs> at the time. Now it just seems like, yeah, people would stop for a second to take pictures. Like, that's yeah. just what would happen. Of course.
1: Yeah. Of course they would.
0: That's weird. But also, like, parts of this movie, look, now, and I think because... So my the point I was I think trying to get to so it's hard hard to track at this point I think because I'm still so, so I'm so stuck on those flip phones <laughs> in the of Liberty scene but they're in in making that. You know, in making the camera quality so high, mm-hmm. it's sort of it, so something about being on the big screen compensates for that. Mm-hmm. Like the way everything is sort of spread out, and you yeah. know, digital effects always look better on a larger screen. Yeah. But seeing it on a small scale, it looks parts of it look kind of cheap. They're all clearly running around a set. that is definitely not New York City. Yeah. There's occasionally some like really bad green screen work of New York City behind them.
1: Yeah, but I think there's a couple of shots that are they are in New York City, but,
0: but we we saw filming only took they only spent a week filming in New York City. Right. You know,
1: I think there's like a couple like they just got into a subway station at like four in the morning when it was (laughs) empty, like a midtown subway station and just like, okay, let's go out to have some like let's do this one shot to have some reality. Yeah,
0: but the the uh, but like the
1: Lower East Side is like clearly a set and
0: yeah, and just there's sort of an effect overall of like the story is so, because I've seen it multiple times now, and, like, again, like, the story, like, what there is of it stuck with me so strongly. Yeah. And watching it now, there's really not a lot to chew on in terms of, like, what's happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's basically people running from one place to another, and occasionally they see, like, small bits and pieces of a big CGI monster. hmm And so, I think it sort of worked better for me as a part of this big, ongoing mystery, like, meta-narrative. So. So. You
1: don't love it as much as you did it eighteen or whatever.
0: No, but I'll always have this fondness for it because of what a unique experience it was for me at the time. Okay. And what and what a just a surprise it was because that's a thing that the series has tried to keep going mm-hmm. is this idea of the element of surprise. Yeah. And like if you just go in and it's not even, like, these movies aren't, like, a secret. Like, people know they're coming out, yeah. usually.
1: Usually. <laughs> uh, well, even,
0: even in that case. But anyway, it's, like, the point is, like, most of the magic of these movies, uh, outside of the movies themselves, mm-hmm. is just the fact that we weren't told that much. Yeah. Which was which was, unique in 2008. Is even more unique now mm-hmm. when, like, things are released, you know, two years ahead of time and people analyze every frame of, of a trailer. Just the idea of, like, giving people less idea of what they're in for... And the way that will, like, excite them and, like, change their experience of a movie is, I think, a very powerful thing. And I wish it wasn't associated with just, like, ooh, J.J. Abrams is a ma- mystical imagery box man. <laughs> I wish that, that was just the thing people were aware, like, if you have more mystery in what people are going to see, they will be intrigued by it.
1: Yeah. A mystical imagery <laughs> box man.
0: <laughs> so, Kelsey, shall we move on?
1: We shall move on to 10 Cloverfield Lane.
0: All right. Set the stage. It's January 2016. Great. I am sitting in Sarah's apartment. The old one. On right? on the old one. On my phone, checking Twitter. I guess. Of course. And all of a sudden, at, at like right after 10 p.m., a film writer I followed was, was at the premiere of a movie, like at the first screening of it that that night, and all of a sudden began tweeting about a trailer for the Cloverfield sequel. The trailer ran in front of Thirteen Hours: The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, <laughs> the Michael Bay Benghazi movie. Uh, that might not be funny to anyone but me. Sorry. And then the next day, the trailer dropped, and I was like, "Because the trailer is a, a beautiful piece of trailer work. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's also is different from the first Cloverfield trailer, but in the same and that like sort of presents a weird, confusing." portrait of, of of what's happening that you can't quite pick up on but you feel there's like a sense of dread and, uh, and like an ominous foreboding behind you it you mean
1: the entire the entirety of the Ten Cloverfield lane movie is that
0: well then, then the trailer is very effective then isn't it, <laughs> isn't it kelsey um and so I, I i once again like lost my mind about it i didn't dive too deeply into the arg for this one because there has been an arg around all three movies but this one obviously because you know i i'm eight years older now I'm, I'm, I have some more adult responsibilities. I don't really have the time and energy to devote to looking at fake online marketing platforms for Cloverfield movies. But then the film was released in March 2016. So yeah, also just like going from trailer release to film release in under two months is still wild to me. And I think everyone should do that. Agreed. So the, the film is not a found footage movie. It is a normal looking movie <laughs> it's like like a classical regular narrative style and it stars mary elizabeth winstead indeed as michelle uh john goodman as howard and john, john gallagher, gallagher jr as emmett dewitt and those three are basically the only characters we see in the movie aside from a few glimpses of the outside world because the plot of this movie is we see our girl Mary Elizabeth, a.k.a. Michelle, AKA Michelle. Uh, leaving behind a relationship with her fiancé,
1: who apparently is Bradley Cooper, who is was voiced by
0: Bradley Cooper <laughs> in, a, in a brief phone appearance. She drives away and on her way out of town uh, is in a car accident or a car crash, should I say, and wakes up with, a, with an injured leg chained to a wall in the what appears to be just a cellar. Owned by Howard, a.k.a. John Goodman. A, a bunker. Uh, well, we find out it's a bunker later on. yeah. And we also find out that there's another man, Emmett, J.G. Jr., who's down there with them.
1: J.G. Jr.
0: I mean, we're going to talk about the end of this movie, obviously, but yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm sort of hesitant to go into too much detail about the plot. Yeah. Even still, weirdly enough, hmm. because rewatching this movie, I really was struck by how great it is. <laughs> like, I had this thought while watching it, that may have been just my enthu- initial th- enthusiasm rewatching it, but I had this thought that it's almost like a perfectly built movie because we begin in this sort of like a mysterious situation where Michelle is like locked up, and we and we already like very much empathize with her and like want to find out what's going on and like get out of here and you know not die. and then we meet but we meet Howard, who is sort of the owner of this of the the bunker. And we slowly, like, every single scene that proceeds after that moment when she wakes up, we learn something new about Howard or about the situation that they're in. And the way that sort of is, like, literally every scene is, like, unfolding more and more of, like, Howard, who he is, what his motivations are, his intentions, where his, like, just what his headspace is.
1: And you, like, flip-flop back and forth between trusting him and not trusting him.
0: Constantly. and like, Constantly. Or like, or like the level of what you trust him or like how scared you should be of him. Yeah. Or like how you shouldn't be scared of him. Yeah. And the way that's done and because Howard is in control of this whole situation, like the more we learn about him, like every new piece of information about his state of mind changes the entire mood of like where the characters are. Well,
1: and- it changes the entire like concept that you've built in your head because like th- this film also like only shows you one part of a thing and you're like okay and you're trying to fill in the gaps around it and every time you learn something new about howard you learn you see something new about him like it changes the the narrative that you've built around the narrative in the movie which i think you only do because it's attached to this previous movie
0: that's an interesting point because the movie definitely uses the cloverfield name but it uses your expectations of like okay it's a cloverfield movie i don't know if it's i assume it's a sequel But I can tell just from the trailers that there's something weird going on, but you don't know what. And the movie, like in the same way, like the main character doesn't know what's going on outside the bunker, and Howard is sort of like explaining what's happened, and you know he seems to believe that it could it could potentially be aliens, which would tie us into the first Cloverfield movie. But you don't again like from scene to scene, you don't know how much of what he says to believe, and you sort of gradually come to understand there is something going on above the surface. But you're still not sure what. And I do think that knowing it's part of the quote-unquote Cloverfield franchise series, whatever, does make you lean a certain way about it. But honestly, watching it the second time, I appreciated it more separate from that. Because you removed from the idea of this being like part of the Cloverfield world, whatever that might be, really like because we are placed within this very small point of view, and we're only given certain information, but what we do is so like contradictory and like you 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 like you said like you said you don't know what to believe right i honestly think it might work even better as a not cloverfield in, movie? And not connected to the cloverfield yeah. idea
1: i think if you separate it from the, the cloverfield idea you can take away the last like 15 minutes of the movie
0: i don't think so you
1: don't think so i
0: felt that way when i first saw the movie and you might be you probably already know this but the movie went through some extensive rewrites oh My understanding of it, which is it was that it began life as a script called The Cellar that was then uh, acquired by Paramount and J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot and all them. And then there was a a big rewrite that happened by mostly led by Damien Chazelle, writer, director of Whiplash and And La La -La Land (laughs) -Land. (laughs) together, him and I guess the producers as well. Sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm just thinking about Cloverfield the musical now.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Is it this movie or is it just the franchise as a whole as a musical?
1: I feel like it's another...
0: Oh, it's like it's, a, like it's like a musical taking place under the same banner.
1: Of the Cloverfield, yeah.
0: Of like, it's like, it's like Cloverfield on ice or something like yeah. that. Like the Cloverfield rendition. Yeah. The Cloverfield re- review. <laughs> the Cloverfield review, that's it. The Cloverfield review. Oh. Uh. But so it's like a mysterious, like, musical no one knows the plot of that has some, like, sci-fi leanings to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are under the impression that the rewrite just added on the ending, which we'll go ahead and give away now. Yeah. Is that Michelle, after sort of, like, grappling with what's going on with Howard for a long time, finally able is, like, learned, like, needs to escape. And she does, and she kills Howard on the way out, or, like, he is trapped in his bunker and dies, basically. Michelle escapes, right. and when she gets to the outside world, everything looks fine. She even can breathe the air, which is against very much against what Howard had told her and what she had believed to this point. But then, what's that in the distance? An alien spacecraft for real, though.
1: For real, though.
0: And it Spraying lands... Spraying noxious gas. Spraying noxious gas. She has to avoid the gas. She has to find a way to evade these creatures, and eventually to blow up this alien ship all by herself. Thus confirming that howard wasn't exactly right
1: but he wasn't exactly wrong he wasn't either wrong.
0: like there was something going on but he all, howard also has his own thing going on clearly that has nothing to do with all this and so originally the, the 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 original screenplay sort of had that moment where she got out but then howard popped out again and she had to fight him for a little bit then she sort of like beat him and then he was, he was like, as she ran away, he was still alive and was like, like mumbling something like, you'll see, you'll be so sorry or whatever, like stuff, stuff like that, Howard mm-hmm. stuff. Howard stuff. And then she, and then she just drives to Chicago, finds out, oh, it was obliterated by a nuclear attack. Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, the end. The end. And then that was how it ended. I'm and okay also, with that. And also like the, like the relationships between the characters in the, in the bunker changed. Yeah. Like, her and Emma didn't have the sort of, like, sweet bonding they have yeah. in this one. They Like, she had sex with him in order like like, okay, if I have sex with you, you'll protect me from Howard, right? Yeah. It's a weird, like, transactionary thing. Yeah. Um, and I gotta say, when I first saw the movie, I thought maybe the ending was kind of weird. Because it does sort of, like, it doesn't undercut what happened before. But because it, it, there's, there's all sorts of, like, hints of, like, leading up to this, like, there is something going on out here. Regardless mm-hmm. of what Howard says, something is very wrong outside. It does bring in these overtly sci-fi elements that really weren't there until that point. But I think it works so well as a character beat because, like, now that we've seen her escape, like, you know, Michelle also like to sort of prove it to herself that she is capable of, like, fighting against something and not not just running away. And having it, you know, and it could just be Howard pops back up and she fights him again, but I think the escalation of the movie into, like, a full-on, like, obviously sci-fi movie Mm -hmm. uh really raises the stakes in an interesting way yeah and it works as like again another reveal about the world around us and like again recontextualizes everything we've seen not only of, of the world but of howard himself so like our understanding of that character is changing and like affecting our view of the entire rest of the movie even after he's dead okay and also just like the very like satisfying like you know full circle thing of her the ball of scotch she takes in the opening scene yeah. being used to defeat the alien spaceship is very satisfying. And the thing that really gets me is like how this movie is very stage like it's very, sorry, it's very sort of play like because yeah. most of it takes place over this one single yeah. small set. Yeah. But what really, it really feels very classic Hollywood to me in a weird way. Like if I feel like this sort of like tense, like very small scale character driven, drama suspense sort of movie mm-hmm. could have been made basically at any point from like the 1930s until now like something about it just feels very pure like very purely cinematic I don't know if I can really explain why but
1: no I I, I understand what you're saying
0: it's very classically built mm-hmm. and the, the way the story is revealed is very like like focused on the basics of storytelling and the and structure mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of you know, modern big budget movies like this, especially well, are I like what, built from from the front back.
1: What works about the first two movies is that the story that they're telling are, are simple. Like the, the storytelling is very simple. It's how the story is told. That's kind of complex. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where the third movie fumbles.
0: Sorry. I realized I haven't really given you a chance to say, how did you feel about 10 Cloverfield Lane?
1: I liked it. It was a little bit long. I think, but I I could have cut out some bits in the middle, but it was very good and it was very like well paced for the most part. I wish since, since they are attempting to tie these movies together, Ugh. it had either been like the same monster or like a monster that looked like it could be related. <laughs> and, and <laughs>
0: that is important to know in that we sort of, A lot of people went into this thinking that it was in some way a sequel or like in the same world as the first cloverfield movie um and nothing you see in the movie itself like actually leads you to that conclusion nothing disproves it either until the end when the aliens show up Mm -hmm. and they're clearly a different thing than from the first movie and honestly i was disappointed when i first saw it like when i saw that spaceship i was like i sort of had like a sunken feeling like i felt like i wanted i wanted to believe that the big old cloverfield monster was out there running around doing stuff
1: I About, like I would have been okay if it was like a like a kaiju situation and it was like other big monsters mm. that were attacking other places. Cause she's she's in Louisiana, like mm-hmm. she's clearly not in New York, so it doesn't need to be the same monster, but like completely different metallic, like electronic-y <laughs> looking aliens. Not really what I was going for there. But then also like in the first one they had the weird crab things. That aren't the big monster yeah
0: the, the the fall off of the big monster yeah yeah those are weird
1: so i guess in the third one they just attempted to explain why they were different basically
0: <laughs> well it's interesting because 10 cloverfield lane is well let's talk about can we just touch on the acting real quick yeah mary elizabeth instead. Amazing. Very good, yes. I've never seen her in such a good thing as this. I really love her after this movie. John Goodman, I already love.
1: I mean, John Goodman's great. He's an amazing
0: actor. No, I don't. There's very few people who could have made this character work in the way he does. Yeah. The sort of weird, like, always, always creepy and clearly, like, the most out of But you kind of trust him him sometimes. Yeah, and you see (laughs) that he's, like, also, like, is in a real way damaged psychologically, but you're you're not sure if that's. Self inflicted or potentially like out of his control,
1: he's very good.
0: There are times when it feels like almost like a sequel to the movie Take Shelter with uh John Goodman playing the Michael Shannon part.
1: I haven't seen
0: it, I apologize. It's a good movie, <sighs> That that's more for that. That's just for, that's for the fans, you know, okay. It's yeah. for the fans yeah. who have seen Take Shelter, sure, know it, love it, still laughing at that joke right now. Great, can't hear what we're saying because they're still laughing at my great joke, and uh. <laughs> Of course, John Gallagher Jr.
1: John Gallagher Jr.
0: Of stage and screen.
1: Of stage and screen.
0: The newsroom's own John Gallagher Jr.
1: Is he in Cloverfield the musical?
0: Oh, boy. Well, he'd have to be.
1: But there haven't been any crossover characters. He's
0: not playing the same character in the musical. He's playing a new character. A new character. He's already involved in the franchise, so they want to bring back some familiar faces. Right. How good John Goodman up there? If we're doing musicals.
1: Sure, why not?
0: That dude's great.
1: Anyway, John Gallagher Jr., who's also very good.
0: He's great. He plays this. It's You wouldn't think of John Gallagher Jr. as like the redneck type. Yeah. But he's definitely playing like a good old boy, trucker hat, like weird bad haircut. Yeah. Like He's endearing. He's 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 very endearing. And his character is so like such a nice, like genuinely like nice, sweet guy. Yeah.
1: So like nice that you don't really trust him at first.
0: Yeah. But then at the end, he's the, oh, oh. He, really, he really put himself on the line for Michelle. Proves himself. Poor guy. Poor guy. So uh, that's all great. It's all great. And the thing is, I look forward to re- revisiting this movie again in the future because watching it for the second time really brought out for me the ways in which it works as its own movie. I think it will, I think this may be, in the end, like the one thing that sort of like lives on past the entire idea of Cloverfield as a thing because it works, I think, so well as its own separate like movie as like a, a singular piece of filmmaking. But this movie, like and what in the form that it is, like as good as it is, would not have existed if not for the Cloverfield banner, like it wouldn't have been produced or released like nearly on the level that it was. It would have been like a very small indie movie. It wouldn't have gotten this major, like all these like big name actors and this big marketing push if it weren't for the Cloverfield franchise. So in a way, those two contradictory ideas are both contained within this one movie, which makes it sort of a Cloverfield paradox.
1: Oh no! Um, Yes,
0: yes I did. In your face, in your face I did it. I did it.
1: How long have you been working on that so, one? So, so, <laughs> uh, d-
0: don't worry about it. <laughs> so next, Kelsey, what are we talking about?
1: The Cloverfield Paradox.
0: That's right. Mm. Kelsey, Which you, I
1: experienced the marketing you for.
0: Can you, can, you can tell this story because you were there.
1: I was there. We were watching the Super Bowl.
0: What a game it was. What a game it was. I can't forget when the...
1: The Eagles won. The
0: Eagles beat the Patriots? They did. That's what a, correct. That's forever in my mind. It's
1: a good year for David <laughs> well.
0: Shout out, David. Friend of the podcast.
1: Because his college team just won, too.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, good for mm-hmm.
1: him. Basketball. Um, anyway, watching the Super Bowl, mostly for the commercials, when, lo and behold, a Netflix original commercial comes on, and Jason's freaking out. <laughs> And I'm like, what's happening? And Sarah's kind of freaking out, too. There was a lot of people <laughs> freaking out. It was a party. <laughs> it was a freaking out party. Because, oh, yeah, this is for the Cloverfield paradox. And it drops at midnight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. we i had sort of known that there was a third movie in the Cloverfield, whatever you want to call it, that was being developed for a while. But there was like some back and forth over like what the rights were going to be, who was going to release it. But I, we didn't have an answer for it. And then all of a sudden, this drops during the Super Bowl. A uh, new Cloverfield movie coming out. By the way, coming out tonight.
1: Coming out tonight. A-
0: a- what?
1: It just said soon, didn't it?
0: It said it said the first commercial said coming very soon. Yeah. And Sarah, because she's smart, said something like, "I bet they're going to release it tonight." Tonight. <laughs> and I was like, "What? Really you think so?" <laughs> and then, of course, like the next commercial was available to watch right after the game. Yeah. What? We got we lost our shit. I lost my shit. Sarah lost her shit. Andrew lost his shit friends of the podcast andrew Favaloro.
1: yeah jason went home and watched it that night
0: <laughs> I, w- I my plan was to watch it that night but i got home kind of late and i've been drinking super bowl beers all night <laughs> no sorry super bowl cocktails
1: super bowl. yeah that punch was F-
0: friends of the podcast david and tara make some some powerful drinks
1: some punch that packs a punch
0: so i <laughs> i went to sleep and then watched it the first thing next morning and boy oh boy was i let down
1: oh.
0: <laughs> it's not so good it's Bad. not so good. It's uh. it has
1: an editing problem.
0: So mm. the let's let's start with the central plot of the movie and then just work our way outwards. Sounds good. That's, I think that's I think the best way to communicate what this movie feels like. Okay. So the general plot of the- Ava Hamilton Cloverfield. Ava Hamilton, what's your name, man?
1: Ava Hamilton. Ava Hamilton. <laughs>
0: uh, it's the it's the year 2028.
1: Oh, we know what year it is.
0: I think... Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. I don't okay. know if we get the year in the actual movie. Okay. But uh, Earth is suffering from a global energy crisis, and a bunch of space agencies around the world have teamed up to send their best and brightest minds and one man from Ireland <laughs> onto a space station. <laughs>
1: He's an engineer.
0: To, like, basically develop a... Like, basically, like a, it's like a large hadron Collider-type story yeah. that they're building here, but it's in space, and it's going to create, you know, perpetual energy. Yeah. And it's not working for, like, two years... They finally switch it on, um, and it something happens, and they can't find the Earth. Oh and, no! Um, Ava Hamilton, the our main character, portrayed by Gugu Mabatha raw sounds right. Is that some, we apo- apologize if that's wrong? Apologize to all people with names, as always. <laughs> uh, Ava Hamilton is sort of our lead character. We know that she has uh, she's married. Her husband is still on Earth, but they have two children who have died somehow. After the Earth disappears. The people in the space station try to figure out what's going on because a lot of mysterious things begin happening. Mm-hmm. The like energy core that powers their system vanishes. Has
1: gone Pe- away.
0: People start acting erratically. One guy, his head blows up and he's full of earthworms. For it's some reason. It's the whole thing.
1: For some reason. For
0: some reason. Uh, Chris O'Dow loses an arm.
1: Chris an arm, oh, but, yeah. Elizabeth Debicki appears.
0: Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Debicki appears in a, in a wall like <laughs> covered in wires, screaming. <laughs> it was the most genuinely starting, startling moment in the entire movie.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Elizabeth's> arm, though.
0: <laughs> and there, what appears to eventually have happened is that they have transported themselves into an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow they're being there has caused all the strange things to begin happening. Yeah. Including Chris O'Dowd's arm being cut off by the wall. Yeah. But he's fine. But
1: he's fine. And then they
0: find the arm.
1: But it's not his arm. But
0: it's not his arm. But it's moving around and it writes The arm from the other universe. And um, it's a lot of bizarre stuff like that. But just as a note, Chris O'Dowd does heroic work in this movie. Chris O'Dowd's great he in this movie. He is carrying the entire film on his back. He's, <laughs> he shouldn't be. But he is, like, alone going to, like, give you pure, unfiltered entertainment straight to your brain. <laughs> With no regard for what's happening around him like he will, it's great he would deliver any line you give him in the best way possible it's great uh eventually they realize that they've uh, come to another universe elizabeth debicki is playing a character who was part of the the crew on the alternate timeline who is now the only survivor uh, trapped on this space station from the other timeline yeah <laughs> it's messed up but the, the point is that eventually ava realizes that oh her family is still alive in this timeline on this earth but this earth is currently at war like the energy crisis spilled over into a full-on land war. And so the other crew members are desperate to get back to their universe. Elizabeth the I mean her character's name is Mina, we could just call her Mina. Mina, yeah. Mina wants to stay here and keep the large hadron collider Cloverfield paradox machine for herself to save her world. And uh, Ava is tempted towards uh, going down to Earth to meet to see, her to see her family and to save them from the their deaths, which it turns out is but because, because of something she did yeah. is, uh, accidentally. Basically, this is this movie is like a sci-fi sequel to Manchester by the Sea. Sure. Because it's all about a main character whose kids died in a fire caused by their actions. Oh, spoilers, by the way, for Manchester by the <laughs> Sea. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Oh. Uh, you had two years, get over it. Mm. And eventually, Ava decides that no, she has to take the the space station with the magic machine on it back to her timeline she fights and kills mina overcoming the temptation to go down to this earth but she also sends a message to her herself on this earth who's still alive mm-hmm. warning her about what's going to happen and all that stuff and and then eventually she goes back to her timeline with the only surviving member of her crew daniel Bruhl. daniel Bruhl, who we have not mentioned is also in the movie my boy and they go down to earth together I guess, and they get the the machine working, so now they can save the the world from the energy crisis. Yeah, and that what I've just described to you is like maybe about forty minutes of the plot <laughs> of an of an hour and forty minute long movie, and it's actually pretty affecting. There are some moments in there, and some scenes that actually really do I don't know attempt to grapple with this character's loss and what that would mean and how that how she would deal with that in a way that like feels like, okay, I see how you thought this could be similar to Ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Well, what we haven't really talked about thus far are the, um, the reshoots. Because much like with uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, the original script for this was just about a space station wacky hijink time with and these it characters. it should
1: have been just about a space station. <laughs>
0: because as we've established, one of the main things that makes a Cloverfield movie work is that it keeps you to one small point of view. Yeah. But this movie makes the crucial mistake of
1: having two, points, I think of two points
0: of view. And the other point of view is, let's see, it's it's Ava's husband, um, played by... Michael? Michael, no. yeah, Michael, Michael. Played by Roger Davies, Michael Hamilton. And all we see of him is either in his apartment, his, or his, his, his bedroom, or his car on the phone with other characters, yeah. essentially. And so it's obvious that those sections were added uh, later. It's very, very blatant and very awkward. And we see in his... In his, uh, because he stays on the original Earth that they're on, we see through through his eyes that basically them activating this 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 machine, yeah, has uh, much as uh, Donald Log via Skype cameo warned them earlier in the yeah. movie. It has unleashed, you know, monsters. demons, monsters, beasts from the sea in the past, present, future across different timelines, and we specifically see that in on on our Earth or on sorry Michael and Ava's Earth. There is what appears to be a big shadowy creature that looks a lot like the original Cloverfield monster moving around in it. And then we don't
1: know where they are. Is we, the they're
0: in America somewhere, we think. Yeah, it's not really clear. But they're
1: both British.
0: They're, yeah, <laughs> 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 and, they, and she has like the British like emblem on her jacket yeah, in the space station. She's, yeah, so but, co- like, wasn't
1: the little girl British too?
0: I think a lot of this stuff was shot before they had the full revised script finished. Yeah, and and then even like the final moment of like Ava returning to Earth, and what should be a less powerful but similar feeling we get to the end of the movie, Gravity, where the main character, again, has to overcome the death of their child, spoilers, and Mm -hmm. return to Earth, spoilers, um, (laughs) overcoming their grief and loss. Uh, That moment, which should be like the catharsis of the entire movie, is undercut because we have an awkward, awkward scene of her husband, Michael, on the phone with his buddy at the space, uh, at NASA, I guess, Yeah. or if they're in Britain, whatever their space program is called. Sure. Uh, Just telling them, like, no, you you can't have them come back. Don't let them come back. You can't come back. They can't come back now. The world's in too bad a shape. And then we see the little pod, escape pod with with, uh, Ava on it crash to earth. And then who who pops up out of the clouds?
1: Cloverfield monster. Cloverfield
0: monster, y'all. Hey, I'm back. Here I am in the movie. Didn't you miss me? No, I didn't. I thought I did, Kelsey.
1: No, it's like you don't need those parts at all. All of the Michael parts, you don't need them. You don't need the Cloverfield monster at the end. All you need is like them radioing or like tapping into the news signal at the end should bring it all together. Like when they're back in their own universe.
0: Yes, agreed. That's all you need. And that's even if you... I don't the even
1: whole movie should have taken place on the space station.
0: And also the universe they go back to should not have been the exact thing. It shouldn't have been the same monster from Cloverfield 1.
1: Right, it should have been a different monster.
0: Because, I mean, I think, I I, I agree, I also was disappointed in Chlor- in and Cloverfield Lane when the... And it wasn't
1: the same wasn't monster, same, or a the similar same uni- monster. It wasn't
0: the same monster, or the same universe. Although, yeah. in this movie, we sort of get a half-assed like, way to like make it somehow sort of the same universe. Yeah. But it's... I, I, they shouldn't have tried to tie it back in so literally, is my point. Yeah. Like, the second movie, as much as it hurt me to not see my boy, the Cloverfield monster, run around up in there... <laughs> Uh, was, That's who you should be. For was was <laughs> the Cloverfield monster? <laughs> I was walking around on my on my arms all night, just dragging my legs behind me, just knocking stuff over. <laughs> oh man, what a costume!
1: Okay, sorry. As much it hurt you not to see your point, that, that hurt
0: me in thankful for Lane*, that was the right way to go. Yeah. To make this just a mysterious, like sci-fi tinged, like umbrella series where different stories happen that were all a movie, limited to one point of series. view that you could maybe fit into the same world if you really wanted to, but yeah. otherwise you didn't really need to to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. This movie, they seem to think that the only way to make us enjoy it is to blatantly tie it back into the mm-hmm. the first movie with the appearance of the same monster. But also, you
1: didn't get, need to blatantly do that.
0: But also to give an explanation for like why this machine created things happening in parallel universes, so yeah. trying to tie into the second movie as well. Yeah. But in a very, in a way that like doesn't change your understanding of that movie in any way, and doesn't improve this movie at all.
1: And is that are we supposed to understand that all three of these movies are happening in twenty twenty eight or well, because c- it's like a t- space time thing?
0: Because well, that's why they have that awkward Donald Logue cameo in the, in the beginning, because yeah. he explains like that this is going to change things both in. The past and the future, and also in different universes. So this movie is sort really of,
1: you don't you only need that to tie them together, and I didn't mind that.
0: Yeah, that's that's fine. If that's what you want. But even that, like, I think there there could have been a more clever way to tie this movie into the rest of the series if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But they they went on that too hard, and they they took focus away from what could have been a reasonably compelling story on the space station. Yeah. My problem with the middle part of the movie is that all this wacky stuff happens with. Where like what appear what, it, what we're left to think right Kelsey is that because they're in the wrong universe this that universe, universe is trying to is d-
1: erase them trying to
0: kill them yeah but that's not really like a like the, the the mechanism by which the universe is doing that is never explained right so it just seems like it's like a Final destination style thing yeah where just death itself is stalking them which is its own kind of movie I like the found destination <laughs> movies a lot but it doesn't work in this context because it's a sci-fi Narrative or things should at least be like. I don't need like hard science to like to justify something, just
1: some soft science. Just
0: explain some, explain what's happening in some way, yeah, or just have an explanation available to me. Mm -hmm. There's none, there's nothing here I can, I can't get to anything. So I was, I was very disappointed with this movie.
1: I, I think it had so much potential. Like the characters are compelling, you know, like I want to know. I said to you earlier, like, I care more about Ava and her family than I did about. Beth and Rob in the first movie Absolutely. within 10 minutes like oh for sure and I think you know most of like the, the, the crew itself and their like personalities are are compelling and and that should have been what it was about it should have been about them, them on the spaceship and no one else
0: and you can see how they wanted to make it like Tang Cloverfield Lane and that these characters are trapped in this tiny space they even have the exact same title sequence yeah. That worked so well in the in the second movie, but does not work here at all because it stretched out over like 20 minutes. The opening credits. Yeah. They brought they brought back Bear McCreary as the composer for the soundtrack. It was, and the cast is again really good. Gugu Mbatha-Raw, she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Oyelowo is in this movie. He's, he's great. He's, too. He's, he doesn't have much to do, but he is always great. Yeah. There's a shot of him crying after they figure out they're in the wrong timeline, which seems like a setup for his like personal development, that but didn't doesn't happen. doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Daniel Bruhl, as we said, Dan- yes. Danny Danny Bruhl, very good. Um, who I know always from the Captain America: Civil War movie.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if for that reason, when I see him, I don't trust him.
1: <laughs> Zhang
0: Zengzi's in it. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth DeBecke, as you mentioned, Chris O'Dowd.
1: Chris O'Dowd is great.
0: A- Axel Henny, John Ortiz. There's a lot of like really. There's got good actors in this movie. It's yeah. not. It's not their fault.
1: No, they're they're all doing their best to make it something. Chris O'Dowd more than anyone.
0: Even even the director is doing fine work. Yeah. And I, I like the production design a lot too. Although all the cool sci-fi hallways they yeah, run down. Yeah, it's great. The space suits, suits they wear towards the end of the movie look like like a futuristic white Power Ranger outfit. It's great. That's great. All that stuff's great. Uh, just the script is does no, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. All the stuff that happens to them once they get to the other universe is nothing that's connected. Why would that? Why would? And I, I, I don't even need to go into like why would why would all of a sudden all the earthworms from their tank
1: be inside be the inside the, guy? The,
0: the 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 Russian guy and then explode out of him and make him also go crazy and try to shoot two of his friends I don't know and then also but also the power source is also in his body now somehow I don't know why is chris why is crystal Dowd's arm come to life and write out clues to where <laughs> to find the answer to the, the the mystery is like what what's hap what's happening
1: i don't know it had potential it had potential
0: but I, and and if it'd been a good movie, if it'd been like even like just like solid and like fun, yeah, which I think a lot of people find it to be that, I think it's yeah. an absolute mess except for Chris O'Dowd. Uh, I it, didn't
1: like totally dislike it. I thought it was too long, and the the it's way too long. The parts with Michael just didn't need to be there.
0: No, they add nothing. They look cheap, and yeah. then they look obviously rushed. Yeah. and and needless. But if it had been just even good, it would have been like kind of a game changer did you could announce this like big surprising, like what, what you're doing this now tonight. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, but instead it just looks like they had a bad movie they needed to get rid of. And they didn't <laughs> want there to be like a normal press cycle for it. Cause they knew if you saw like a full trailer or read a review, you'd know it was bad. Aww. So it looks more like instead of like a fun, like gift and surprise for, for viewers, it's more like a trick. So it kind of goes against the entire spirit of Cloverfield as a concept. And I know it's like, you know, it's not a gift in reality. It's like yeah. a marketing style but it was like it had a positive effect on the viewer. Or is this really feels like they were just trying to get one bias?
1: I don't think it's that bad, but.
0: It hurt me. This movie hurt me.
1: I'm sorry. I will say. I'm not as attached to the other two as you are. On the
0: rewatch, I didn't mind it as much as I did the first time. Yeah. Uh, maybe because I had you there. Whereas the first time I watched like, like stone cold sober the next morning alone. <laughs> In the apartment being like yeah cloverfield yeah it's back yeah and just feeling like the the joy slowly drain out of my 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 i have a hard
1: time not enjoying anything that chris o'dowd is in
0: hey you got me there
1: it's like put put chris o'dowd in more things like we were in the subway yesterday coming back from book club me and sarah and everyone else and
0: And, there was and the rest
1: i I realized that we were like all there um (laughs) and there was an ad for Virgin Atlantic, which apparently Chris O'Dowd oh, yeah. is like the, the person for now. And we, Me, Sarah, and Steph all thought there was a new Chris O'Dowd vehicle out, and we're like, wait, what's Chris O'Dowd in now? Oh, it's an ad. Sad.
0: I'm sure you could find those ghost commercials online for his role as a virgin <laughs> spokesperson.
1: I love Chris O'Dowd. I love Guguma Bathara, too. Like I thought they were yeah. both very good in this. And Daniel Bruhl was doing his Daniel Bruhl thing.
0: He's he's bringing that classic Bruhl.
1: Classic Bruhl.
0: <sighs> yeah. I just... I'm
1: glad I got to see them though. I feel like I feel like I have filled in a hole in my pop culture knowledge that I should know because it's like my generation's pop culture, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I like the first two. I like the third one. I like the people in it enough that like it like it didn't hurt to watch it.
0: I, I respect that. I, I respect any joy you got out of that movie. Thanks. I, I, I get some enjoyment out of it, but it's... I don't know.
1: I think it would have been harder if we hadn't come up with the the our, our spinoff.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. So this is normally when we, we, we're we running a little long right now. But, oh, uh, no. Let's, let's get it out there, though. Because we, we, we've already sort of developed the, the musical.
1: The musical pitch. <laughs> uh, which,
0: by the way, could, could happen because there's a fourth Cloverfield movie uh, coming out supposedly this October. What? And I don't know. Um, we'll see. It's actually going to be Giselle? released in theaters, I think. So I don't know. Mm, maybe it's
1: good.
0: Well, I don't think Damon Chazelle is involved with this one at any level. Oh. So anyway. yeah, our, our musical pitch for Cloverfield Five could is still out there. So still out there. JJ hit us up. Uh, Netflix. If you're still looking to get in, in
1: the Cloverfield in,
0: in bed with the Cloverfield brand
1: or the Paradox brand, the Paradox
0: <laughs> specifically the Paradox brand. <laughs> you are invested so much into this this world. Here's the thing: the, we love these characters. We like them. We like them. We love some of them. We
1: love some of them. yes. We
0: like this 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 set. We like this this design. This aesthetic. We like this world. You,
1: you've done the work. This this work is done.
0: Yeah, you've already. That's already done. That's in, that's that's done. That's gone. Those sets are built. You're not getting that money back, or are you? Or are you? <laughs> if you follow up on our pitch for. The Paradox Patrol.
1: Paradox Patrol.
0: Starring the same characters that you know and love from The Cloverfield Paradox.
1: Specifically. At
0: least, well, specifically Daniel Bruhl and, and Chris O'Dowd. And Chris O'Dowd, yeah. The yes. rest, if, if, if you want, fine. We,
1: we can we can use the rest. I feel like they do a good job. But yeah, if they're sure. not into it, we can cast new people.
0: We need those two, though. But we need we those need two. Daniel and Chris. Daniel and Chris. Because this movie is the same characters. Sorry, it's not a movie.
1: It's a movie. It's not a movie. It's a
0: series. It's a series. It's the same characters in a different universe. Uh, a time, a different timeline, which you've already established does it's happen. It's possible. Uh, they're also trying to make the, um, I don't even remember what it's called, the Paradox of the Clofield Machine, whatever it's called, work. But in it's space. those first
1: like 450 days that we Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's the first two years the of the mission. The first two years, yeah. And it's it's not a mystery, it's not an action movie or an adventure.
1: Just a workplace it's a comedy. Workplace comedy. Workplace comedy. I think
0: The Office meets Lost in Space.
1: Yep. And
0: exactly. you have sort of an idea of what we're getting at here.
1: Exactly. Daniel Bruhl is a straight man.
0: Chris O'Dowd, the wacky Irish uh, tech guy. Yep. <laughs> you can have a whole episode where he loses his arm, and it'd be it, you can reuse the exact same beats as you did in this one, <laughs> and it'd be just as funny.
1: Be just as funny.
0: Um, so yeah, I, I don't have to tell you like the op- the opportunities that gives you for like the creative directions you can take, or like you know having you know uh, you know still having the Clovefield brand out there in a, in a sense, and you're making good on your investment. Which, be honest, so far you haven't done that great on. Come on, Netflix. Actually, Netflix apparently can just make whatever they want.
1: Yeah, they have that much money now. Don't and we they? and we
0: have no idea how how many, how successful it is. Yeah. That's the wildest thing to me about Netflix. Still, but we have is that no they, idea they how they successful they don't release their numbers. Is. We have no idea what their business model is or if it's working at all. <sighs> it's, it's kind of chilling in a way because <laughs> they they like determine how people view so much content now. Oh, it's and creepy. The fact that we don't have any like insight into what they're doing is actually the more I think about it, kind of odd they're Beginning shaping, of our dystopian future. they're shaping the narrative, Kelsey. Oh no. Oh yes.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: hit us up. Uh, hit us up, uh, Netflix, if you want to, if you want to bring us into your shadowy cab- cabalistic plot so to control the world. make an expose
1: documentary on your shadowy.
0: It is, is is wait is is cabalistic a word?
1: It sounds right.
0: I want I want to make clear I'm talking about like a cabal, they have like, a cabal. Like, a, like a secret group of people, not like. I'm starting to want worry that that like. Kabbalah, the Jewish mysticism, yeah. is tied into the word kabbal. like maybe the origin of the word kabbal is like a shadow group of like mysterious behind the scenes rulers comes from that. Oh no! Which I think you can see where I'm going with this. Yes, I can. I'm, oh no! Is it? Yes. Oh no! Oh no! Oh gosh, this is terrible. The term kabbal derives from Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical interpretation of the scripture oh no so when i say cabal to I mean like a shadow shadowy group of like secret rulers of the earth i'm inadvertently like tying into like anti-semitic conspiracy theories
1: a little bit yeah oh
0: no wow i never thought about that until now that's terrible hey everyone psa from your buddies who ruined my life <laughs> Uh, don't maybe don't use the word cabal just like willy nilly like I was just doing. Wow, this is this is staying in. This is this is a, this is the teachable, moment. This, <laughs> this, this, moment. Is teachable okay. moment.
1: Anyway, Netflix is a shadowy organization.
0: <laughs> yes, they run the world in a totally secular way. <laughs> Indeed, divorced of any associations with any like uh, you know only m- minority groups. They worship the god of media. Yes, want <sighs> to make that clear. But also, if you need people to work yeah you know, hit us up we're still right we're, Again, we're still down. hit us up
1: hit us up we're down to work for your shadowy organization Mo- you know,
0: money money uh, nope. a grand don't come for free nope uh money ain't cheap as they say money ain't cheap money ain't cheap money money don't um uh i was gonna say money don't rule the world but i guess it kind of does the point is i will sell out <laughs> for you netflix if you will pay me
1: yeah same
0: And Carly Rae Jepsen, you need to get off that boat. (laughs) Get
1: off that boat, Carly. Get off that boat,
0: Carly. What are you doing? You're killing me out there. Uh, You're gonna get get dysentery.
1: You can come be in the workplace, the space workplace comedy. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Carly Rae Jepsen guest starring tonight (laughs) on the Paradox Patrol. (laughs) Okay, let's 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 bring it in. Let's 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 bring bring this to a close. Where are we at? uh, We're way over. We're Mm. at 110. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel like that. Time flies when you're with friends. Oh. Oh, Kelsey. Special thanks, as always, to Danny About of The Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, from their album, The Weeping Willards. Available now on bandcamp.com to download.
1: And special thanks to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com.
0: Find us on Facebook and or Twitter. And or Twitter. Uh, leave us a review or a comment or rating
1: great. subscribe
0: subscribe smash that button
1: smash that subscribe button
0: and uh, just keep you know keep an eye out for any future ruin my life related uh, projects and products check out our our um sibling uh, child podcast child podcast <laughs> it's both our um offspring and also it is a sister program to the program we were doing right now indeed it is andrew ninja warrior starring friends of the show aforementioned sarah shepherd and andrew Favaloro as they train their bodies and minds to uh in Andrew's case compete on American Ninja Warrior and Sarah's case to do a single pull up. Yep. Check it out. It's real um, good. That's that's pretty much it, I guess. That's pretty much it. Well, th- thanks for listening everyone. Uh we'll, we'll we'll get back up with you when uh the next Cloverfield movie comes out. We'll probably do an update on that.
1: Follow up? Yes.
0: Uh you know us we're all about following up on things. Totally. Although, you know, keep your eyes peeled because we might do something with that. We might have a say look back.
1: Ooh. Uh, coming up
0: sometime. What episode is this? Oh, this won't be for like four months. Don't yeah. you know, Don't, don't get excited yet. <laughs> In fact, don't get excited at all. Keep your energy low and you'll be low. very happy with what we got for you. Okay. Okay. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me only I can mention me only I can mention me living in a mystery, mystery uh, holding on and holding in Yes yeah, you're, you're working like living building in a mystery, mystery and choosing so carefully. You're so beautiful, <laughs> beautiful fucked up man. Damn, that's a good song. That's a good song.
1: <laughs> Sarah McLachlan.
0: Ooh, Sarah, Sarah McGee, McGee, Miguel. Miguel. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Damn. McLach.